FYI, and I don't mean fake news, this podcast contains huge spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome once again to the podcast that goes snicked. <laughs> oh wow, got wow, a double. stereo, yeah. a double snick. That's the best kind of snick. It's a double snick. Um. Anyway, I am your host Jason Venable, and I'm joined once again by the incredible, indelible Excalibros, Dan and Georgie. Hey guys. Hey. Thank you all for coming on yet again. I always appreciate it. We love being here. Yeah. So how are y'all? How are y'all doing this? Uh, this fine, vague, vague time. <laughs> Depending on when you're listening. <laughs> I'm all good. It's all good. Yay! So far, so so far, so, so, far, so good. <laughs> it's. I'll tell you, it was hard coming out of Endgame and then reading these books. It was hard to get energized enough to read these books after after the craziness that was in game right. I didn't want to read comics ever again to be fair <laughs> <laughs> so so as of this recording I haven't seen it yet and obviously still pretty new so nothing spoilery but you guys just want to give a couple of sentences about how you felt about in game since y'all didn't get to see it I found it emotional and satisfying Wow, those those are the exact words I was going to use. <laughs> Very satisfying. There's there's and there's definitely some a number of like fist pumping moments that that people have been waiting for for a long time. So it was uh, it was really cool. Awesome. Well, I look forward to seeing that soon. Um, very very cool. Um, is there anything we need to talk about before we talk about comics? Any any rumors or? Um, I don't know. Has there been well, any, anything spelled out on the Hickman stuff? I've heard. Okay, well, yeah. Here's I've heard that Uncanny may be coming to a, an end soon. Is that? Do we think that's going to happen? The solicitations for like the one bef- when Hickman starts is all like the end of an ears. You know the usual spiel. When they <laughs> right. uh, I was kind of more like, oh, cool. Just to be fair, it feels like they're just going to. Swipe the slate clean and start again. <laughs> right. It, it's really disappointing because they, not that I like the direction that this is going in that we're currently reading, but there was like the only excellent promotion was only about this uncanny book. That's all they've been like pushing and pushing and pushing. And then 20 issues in, they're going to be like, well, we're done pushing this one. We're starting it all over again. So here's another push. <laughs> right. It's really like frustrating. I'd rather just have a story that continued for a little bit. Yeah, and and let's remember with the schedule, you know, it may be twenty something issues, if, but if it does wrap up, that's barely a year. Yeah, and that's that's not that's not a long time to kind of get anything going. I mean, I don't know. I, I'm with you, like- Georgie. I'm not sure that I'm gonna necessarily. 
I'm not going to cry myself to sleep the, the day the last issue comes out and miss it terribly, but, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, I don't know. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> this is a larger conversation at hand in the sense that, like, should um, sort of smaller name writers and creators be swept aside just because they have someone slightly more famous coming back? That, yeah. And it, even if I think it's a trade-up, I think it is an interesting conversation. Sure. Because then at that point, it's like, well, I mean, you're... I mean, I guess obviously it's it's a business, so your your success and your tenure is going to always be tied to sales and things like that. But when you're also competing with, oh well, you know, Alpha Rider comes in and wants to do something, so I'm done now. <laughs> I mean, that's... Rosenberg's uncanny selling. Like it's not. Yeah, it is. So maybe they just think it's the name that's selling. Maybe that's not the point. right and hey for all we know maybe rosenberg was told coming in hey you got about a year to tell what you want to tell i mean i mean we don't really know the the whole behind the scenes all the time um we can speculate but i mean he he may not be cutting short he may have known known how long he had from the get-go you never know you know with the fox deal finally going through it could have been like a company uh, you know, like Disney directive, like, hey, we, we have these characters now, so let's restart all this from something cleaner that everyone can jump onto and move forward with. Right. Uh, not that, I mean, usually movie sales don't help comic book sales at all. Right. Uh, companies don't know how to really work that magic, but I could see Disney being like, look, we got these characters now, so uh, let's, let's, let's start over. Yeah. Yeah, and it's interesting because, I mean, fan, there's been, like, fan rumors of, oh, I wish Hickman would write the X-Men for years. Yeah. Um, and so the timing is a little <laughs> little coincidental, right, that it does coincide with, you know, the the, the purchase and all that. Um, Historically, you know, he's mentioned that his, his writing was um, scuppered by the deal because he was essentially told to take the Fantastic Four off the board. Um, due to like sort of company when they didn't have them, uh, didn't own them, he was kind of he's all but said, "Well, they they told me to just kill them," <laughs> <laughs> and that's why he kind of I thought that was the reason he left them off. Like all the big greats that do like a recently that do like a giant um, event, they just leave afterwards. Like they've like. They've made the meal and no one's appreciated it, so they just leave out of the, out of the back of the restaurant. Like right. Amanda, um, Hickman, uh, Fraction, they all just seem to just disappear after an event. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure Fraction was really upset with Marvel, and oh, yes. he's like like Remender. I'm pretty. I don't think either of those two are coming back to Marvel for a long time. Right. Yeah. Yeah, but we should say. also note that the new mutants movie started started to be like all movie talk, but in the, in like the context of synergy with, with the buyout, I think it, it it bears repeating the the new mutants movie is like off the release slate now. So I think they're really trying to get rid of all the like past X Men stuff they can, and then start clean everywhere. Right. Yeah, I mean it makes sense. So. 
I think I'm more bummed about the talks of some other things going away. Um, it doesn't look like X-23 is going to survive a transition. Um, you know, uh, I doubt Mr. and Mrs. X has much life left. And we already know that Domino's Hot Shots is a limited series. I don't know if it'll have any traction to do anything else after that. I'm, so I'm more bummed about the books we've actually been enjoying you know, right. possibly getting swept away with this than I would be necessarily uncanny. So, so is Age of X-Men going to outlast uncanny? <laughs> 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 Jeez Louise. It does uh. seem like Age of X-Men may have been good on paper, but it does definitely feels like more, like the company are mourning the existence of it at the moment. Oh, it's like, just... It's, it's like the actor that dies on screen and takes 20 minutes to die. <laughs> oh! Oh, I'm, I'm done. Oh! <laughs> because oh. the sales the sales are um, not very well at all. Because it's boring. It really is. But, well, we'll get to really, that, I guess. That's when we get my to the biggest books, criticism. But... <laughs> I'm just bored by all of them. Oh, my God. None of them are really saying anything. And they're taking five issues to say nothing. Yeah. No, it's like um, it's like when you're really tired and had like one extra drink than you should have, and you're in the hot tub and the water's just swirling around and it kind of puts you to sleep. Like that series is the swirling water, just kind of going nowhere, swirling around you, making you want to fall asleep. <laughs> As the reader drunkenly falls asleep and drowns. Right. <laughs> 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 oh goodness uh, okay. before we start um, yeah i need to, i need to bear my soul to the listeners um i read like five pages of each one and put them all down so that's i'm sorry so is this why georgie got assigned these books because he's the only one that read all of them <laughs> <laughs> i, just, well, I, I read them because i was assigned them <laughs> It's why it's like, like I'll the take... bad evil principle. Um, <laughs> why took, well, it's, it's why I took the other Uncanny book because I'm like shit. I haven't read any of this. Like generally, not, like I tried to read Extremist today, and I just <laughs> I took one look. At, there's a there's a panel. Uh, I took one look at that panel. And went, no more. I just closed the book. <laughs> I read. I I mostly read most of them. I at least looked. At every page. Yes, uh, I, I looked. I looked at every page. I at least did that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hey, let's start on a high note, shall we? We have a high note this week. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, so the so on Uncanny X Men number fifteen, there's a Declan Shelby variant, a banshee flying along the Scottish <laughs> coastline. <laughs> it, it is a freaking amazing cover. <laughs> It is so good. Your highlight isn't even an issue. It's a it's a very <laughs> cover. It's one image of. <laughs> well, it does make me. Oh, did we talk about last time the uh, the band the X Men Green book that shall we pitched and got denied? I can't remember, but that makes me sad. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he had, when when all the X Men color books were coming out, I guess he had pitched a. A Banshee or an X Men Green book based around Banshee, and looking at this cover, like like the idea sounded cool just in general, 
And then looking at this cover, it's like I could totally get behind him just drawing Banshee all the time. Like, right. It's just it's awesome. I don't remember what the regular cover looks like, but um, I think it isn't that the one where Wolverine and Cyclops are standing around in the dark, like looking in a doorway or something. I don't remember. Um, Cyclops uh, looking like he's uh, falling backwards. I think. Oh, yes. Okay. So so a tease of what happens in the issue, I guess. Oh, yeah. which I guess. I, I'll save this question till the end because um, of this one. Because in true Marvel fashion, these books are, are were released in a weird order, but um, we'll talk about that in a minute, I guess. So, um, Uncanny X Men number fifteen is written by Matthew Rosenberg, art by Salvador Larocca, colors by Guru Effects, letters by VCs Joe Caramagna. And then the cover uh, we talked about was by LaRocca and Rosenberg with the awesome variant by Declan Shalvey. And in this book, <coughs> we X, X sledgehammer every metaphor and get shot in the forehead with it. Um, so Dark Beast uh, basically says, I'm going to cure the new mutants of their miniseries. Um, yeah, exactly. <laughs> then a weird-looking Captain America. I do, I'm not like Laroca's Captain America. I can't tell. Does it look like? So there's the 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 page where he puts his hand on Scott's shoulder, and you see him from the side profile. Who does that look like? I feel like Laroca like definitely photo referenced somebody, and not Chris Evans. It's like. Luke Wilson, maybe? I can't... <laughs> yeah, I, I could see I that. I don't know who I'm thinking of, but he looks very much like... exactly like somebody. And it's going to come to me at some point. I've been trying to think of it all day. You know? Look at this. Who does, who does that look like? What actor does that look like? Okay, Denise said it was like uh, Chris Evans and Chris Hemsworth had a had a Chris something else, um, but anyway, so there's that weird conversation <laughs> with, with with Cyclops and Captain America where he's like, "I'm going to say what I should say, though I didn't do any of the things I'm talking about um, because X Men and Avengers always." Should get along and fight together, but we never do. And but I'm gonna act like we have, um, and then give you a business card. And it's then, so weird. Sorry to jump in because yeah, this is not the Captain America of his solo book. It's not the same person. No, and it's not the Captain America at the end of X Men Red where Gene had like ironed out all these differences. No, also not the Captain America from Uncanny X Men number fourteen. <laughs> yeah. <I'm> not- <laughs> I'm sorry, Dan. Did you have, you have something to say? Um, all that all I have to say is we're just gonna have to ignore that X Men Red existed and just uh, remember remember its tombstone because no one else cares. <laughs> it would seem. I love this cat. He doesn't give a shit about anything. I like it. <laughs> it's almost it's almost it's almost like me. I feel like it's me. It's me in the in. in 
Like, I don't care about what's happening to you because I don't care about the storyline. Goodbye. Right. Here's my business card. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, by the way, welcome, welcome back, Wolverine. <laughs> yes. Right. Okay. You, right. So I said, I said I'd really like to see Wolverine and 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 Cap talk to each other after he's come back. Uh-huh. I thought that'd be really interesting, and that's something that should be addressed because with the nostalgia wave that is this comic. Yeah, yeah, all we get is that all we get is like a wink and a not even a wink and a smile, not even like a handshake ish. Right. You just get like a, you're there. <laughs> Bye. Yeah. Yeah. Not even a call me later, you know, not even a booty right. call. <laughs> right. <laughs> I let's go have a drink at the bar later. Um no, nothing. Nothing. It was weird. Uh, it, it was is... an awkward silence between them. I do have one other question. And Wolverine is lurking in the background. And sorry, go ahead. It, it's it's for you, Jason. Wolverine used to have a personality, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, that went away in Return of Wolverine, so oh. it, got, right. it, so, got, it got replaced by Hot Claws. Which, um, I feel like he might as well still be, not in this well, book. All I feel like reading him here, he might as well still be dead. Because yeah, <laughs> there's nothing that there's no one. It's like an empty oh. space with claws. That's what it is. Right. Yeah. Point and stab. Yeah, um, exactly. So, so uh, in true nineties fashion, Cyclops gets an eight ball hoodie. I mean, all he's missing is a Felix a cat on the back of that. Um, and they go to some demonstration, <laughs> um, where they're going to fight the MLF, which. They need to change their name post-American Pie. Um, But anyway, um, so Wolverine fights the guy that's not Wild Child, but uh, the one who has life-filled eye circles. Um, And then Cyclops blasts a dude, uh, for those of you who like that. And then Zombie Banshee's on a roof with Hope. And so here's what happens. So... Because in this book, Rosenberg wants us to let us know that that Hope is dead, he finds a character named Hope and tries to kill her. Um, and then, because Cyclops' name is Cyclops, he's the only thing I can think of, he gets shot in one of his eyes, so he only has one eye left. And he's a true, literal Cyclops. Yep. Um, Wolverine's about to kill Hope because... She shot Cyclops. Now, I really think he's just mad at himself because when he stabbed Hope, that's when she pulled the trigger, and so she probably was just going to shoot him like in the leg or something, but she jerked her arm when Wolverine stabbed her and shot her in the eye. So instead of stabbing Hope, Wolverine shot Cyclops. Rewind. Right, so the problem I have, there's many, many problems, (laughs) what you just said. The problem I have is like, Right, so I asked the question, does he have a personality? And before, a long time ago, not even that long ago, Wolverine protected this baby, yes? Yeah. Uh, child. Um, out of honour, out of, uh, in Cable's name, whatever. He allowed her to be herself and has sort of protected her for most of her life in, in some way or other, other than Cable. And Wolverine literally left Cyclops, the whole schism, which they still hammer home to this day, um, was uh-huh. because Wolverine didn't want kid soldiers and kids in harm's way. 
Um, and here we have a Wolverine who has literally no speech patterns, no personality. Might as well be a weapon for a Hydra or whatever. Um, just coming out of a portal and stabbing a child. Like, so, like, when I asked said writer, is it a gritty series? And he snarked me. <laughs> it's, it's because I hit, I hit a nerve. Like, oh shit, I've been found out immediately. Um, you know what I mean? Like, these actions, these these like sort of plot points are, are um if you you've seen the Resident Evil movies, right? Mm-hmm. So bear with me, bear with me, right? So the Resident Evil movies, are the, um, the, mostly done by Paul W S Anderson, who uh, Event Horizon, he married and divorced Milia Jovovich. Um, he's actually friends with one of my tutors. Um, he's very much like um, if you watch a making of video with him for Aliens vs Predator, stay with me. Um, he's <laughs> <laughs> he's basically blesses cotton socks. He's sat there going, right, so we've got this really cool scene, and then there's this really cool scene, and you're like, oh, his enthusiasm's so good, we'll let him do it. And then you realise what the film happens. I feel like this is what's happened with Rosenberg. He's literally sat there going, right, so there's this really cool moment where like Wolverine totally backstabs of, uh, Hope. We, we don't know when, I'll get to it at the end, but that's going to happen, that's a really cool moment, and obviously we're going to shoot Cyclops in the eye, because that's awesome. Um, Everything I did before was fixed because Dark Beast is a genius. Um, off panel, off panel, off panel. Like, like, like I feel like he just ticks every. Any, if someone asks him a question, what, what, what should we do about Banshee? Uh, we'll do it off panel later. Um, I got to get to my cool bits, and it just feels like a laundry list of this is the edgy, cool world. Like, like you said, it's literal stabbing of hope, literal hope dying, and I feel like none of it meshes together with anything in the last issue or the issue before it. It's just a smallest board of tiny moments that he thinks um, have gravitas if he puts a quote at the beginning and the quote at the end. And let's not get started on the fact, the overuse of T.S. Eliot this week um, in all of the experts. <laughs> 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 but it, it just, it just feels part of the like book a, club. It, yeah, it, it, it generally feels like um, darkness, grittiness for the sake, all the wrong reasons. And and like the book, continu- this issue continues, just continues on. And then we have the horror show that is the next issue. Spoilers. Um, and it, I don't know, I just, I just find it just like, it, it feels like teenagers making stories. Um, or or may, like, I'm sure my nephew could come up with a better like, idea than Cyclops has one eye. Um, I don't know, it just, piss- it just annoys me. It, it annoys me. I'll, I'll say that once... You know, Age of, Age of X-Men feels, even with the font, feels very much like an Age of Apocalypse kind of thing. And then to have Cyclops lose an eye uh, in a fight involving Wolverine in the same way that he lost an eye in Age of Apocalypse feels like a nod to nostalgia. So I wouldn't be surprised if Wolverine loses an arm before the end of this thing. <laughs> like, they just bring him back and he's lost another arm. But... Uh, and then his hot claws come out of his wrist, his stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, I mean, that's a, a minor, minor, minor thing. But it's, I, I mean, I can only just really agree with everything Dan has said. Right. By the way, um, we can get lots of popping claws here. We even get, so the Return of Wolverine series eventually landed on the fact that the hot claws were related to his berserker. And I would think after getting a full optic blast, he'd be pretty pissed. Um, so I guess we're just, we've just buried Hot Claws. Like that's, that came and went with no explanation. And to be fair, I'm fine with that. But it's just, <laughs> just, 
it's just a little odd that they're yeah. like, yeah, and we talked about, you know, it's funny because I kind of feel like in the same way that, that maybe Rosenberg is or isn't being swept aside for Hickman, that all of Soul's work, whether you like it or didn't, is completely just like, oh, well, Rosenberg is doing this now, so don't worry about whatever he did. Right. Um, and I don't know. If that's how X-Men and comics in general are going to be, that uh, I I don't need for people to be continuity slaves. That's not, I'm not asking for that at all. But if we're just going to completely push aside and push under the rug ever like the writer right before all the time, then maybe it just we just need to say it's not a continuous story, and just let people tell what they want. I don't know. I'm I'm getting pedantic. Well, sure. That, that's, but, no, that's that's totally a fair point. Um, whether you like it or not, stuff that happened in a previous run or previous issues happened, so characters should have to deal with that. Like a, a good writer would be able, like if they don't like it, should be able to come with with a way to change things organically instead of, well, let's just forget that ever happened. That's not, right. you know, for example, this new mutants virus, they've just like cured them all, right? So, <laughs> but he left his miniseries at the end, was like, oh no, they've got the virus, what are they going to do? And now she's like, well, it's cured, uh, because it didn't really have anything, any idea of what to do with it. So now, so so what's the whole point of it? Even with his own story, he didn't know what to do with it, so he just like brushed it aside. Right. Right. Yeah, so then Havoc and Cyclops have some brotherly love um, where they just kind of gripe at each other. Um, poor Havoc. He, you know, <laughs> I, I think I was a little more forgiving on Rosenberg's Havoc and and uh, astonishing because at least he was kind of fun. He didn't even have any charm anymore. Now he's just a complete schlag. Him and Cyclops are just like, oh, no, 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 just moping at each other. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, he can't unbearable. even keep the personality the same between the previous <laughs> book and, and this book with Havoc. <laughs> right. Though, though him, him using, a like, him putting the glowing fist up to Dark Beast's head was... I think one of the the better parts of the book, kind of like that I'm about to use my power. That was actually a pretty cool visual, and in a better story, could have been a really like um, I don't know, just a really cool moment of like because it looks cool. It's one of the better looking panels in the book. Um, you know, it, so I guess all the techno organic stuff goes to one of the multiple man, multiples man. Yep. Fine. Sure. Okay. You know, Jason, I was just going to say regarding Havoc, like, this could be a really, like, touching story. He, he lost his brother a little bit ago, and he comes back, and he's really trying to protect him. And, like, you could show why his personality might have changed because, like, he's got this family bond. He's trying to, like, reassert and, and like, be really supportive of his brother. But you don't really get that with the two of them interacting it's more like i hate you scott you should listen to me and that's that's his personality now not like oh i'm so glad you're back or hey we need to fix things it's like no i'm i'm the good one listen to me scott you're a bad boy <laughs> right <laughs> but i was evil a minute ago but who cares yeah right right 
But hey, I got uninverted, and so now, instead of being a leader or even trying to be your Jiminy Cricket, I'm just going to bitch at you and <laughs> be really petty. Basically. Um, <laughs> and all the X-Men hated Havoc anyway in that astonishing run. Like, no one would go near him. So, like, right, right, right. But, that's well, also but now the party's smaller, so you, you can't you can't be as choosy about who your friends are. Um, okay. Um, yeah. Uh, art is there. All right. And so. Um, <laughs> all right. So I don't know. So I feel like this story. All right. So 15 flows into 16 with kind of immediately. But then also Uncanny War of the Realms has to happen between 15 and 16. So what do I want to talk about next? <laughs> yeah, I wasn't sure where that fit anywhere, to be honest. <laughs> so, well, um, do we want to grade this one? I guess so. Uh, I was, I was going to... Um, I'm gonna be easy. Everything today gets three out of six claws. Wow, that's that's generous. Uh, uh whatever. No, no, no. <laughs> Are y'all going ones or twos? Uh, the problem is, right, is that um, the art, like, this is not. This doesn't feel like Salvador Roca's art. Like, it really isn't. Like, did he just not care? Is he just like, I'm taking the paycheck? Or is or has he evolved his style to a point where it's just horrible now? I don't know. Um, the art really, really isn't helping the book. The color work doesn't help the book. Um, no. The faux intellectualism of the quotes just just doesn't no. help the book. It's yeah. about as blatantly obvious as just I don't know as if a punch in the face. Um, as as getting shot in the eye. Yes, as getting shot in the eye and surviving. Um, <laughs> um, the bullet mm-hmm. lodged in my eye socket. <laughs> oh, you know what he should have to do? He should have to build some armor that keeps the bullet from moving into his brain. <laughs> he can be Iron Cyclops. Iron Cyclops. He can't use his powers anymore, can he? Because it, it, it'll shake his head apart <laughs> yeah 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 because He'll if he uses mind. his optic blast then the bullet will move into his brain so yeah okay i want that so series. This... i want iron cyclops so does screw this does, does this basically answers the question that the power itself comes from his eyeball itself not the like energy inside his brain or something literally comes well, from his eyeball yeah or at least has to be funneled through it um, I guess I kind of look at it like if if he doesn't have his eyes and his optic blast just kind of becomes chambers power, where it's just kind of oozing through his face. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and we are. If, if you think about it, you're you're like in your skull. The passages between your eyes and your nose and your mouth are all actually connected. So it could just like optic blast <laughs> coming out of his nose. <laughs> I want him to sneeze, blast somebody. Like, oh, crap. Just you, tell, you, 
So basically, what's going to happen is someone like Elix is going to come back from Age of X X Men uh, and heal him immediately, right? <laughs> no, Dark Dark Beast is going to build him a cybernetic eye, uh-huh. and, and he'll have he'll have a powered up optic blast, uh, a hot hot beam, hot beam, hot beam. Yeah. What's really going to happen is oh, it'll, first... it'll it'll go back to being a true laser. Right. Not a, not a concussive blast. Right. So he, he'll shoot one eye. Oh, no, 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 no. So one eye will be hot and one eye will be cold. <laughs> and it's the song of ice and fire. <laughs> <laughs> oh, why, why oh are we God. not writing? Why aren't we writing this, chat? <laughs> okay, well, uh, Dan, what do you want to read, read this thing? <laughs> I don't even know anymore. Like, um... <laughs> <laughs> well, Iron Cyclops gets six out of six claws. Of, of course. Yeah. yeah. The, the conceptual um, talk was better, and it's clouded my judgment. No, um, uh, two out, two out of six. I don't even know if it deserves a two. I'm just going to throw two at it and hope it'll go away. Um, maybe I, <laughs> I'll give it a two just because I think the next issue is even worse. So we'll get to that. <laughs> you need a barometer. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> God. Okay. Well, let's go ahead and do 16, and then we can backtrack to War of the Realms. Um, so this is all the same people, I think. Yep. Um, and this cover is, it looks like Psylocke in the desert, uh, mind-stabbing Wolverine. I actually don't mind this cover. It's not bad. Um what do you guys think of the cover? It works, I think. Yeah. Yeah, right. it's fine. Cool. So in this one, um, the MILFs are turned over to Captain America. Um, you know all of America's MILFs want Captain America. That's true. That's true. They do. And he wants them. Um, and he puts them in a van in his, his paddy wagon, and he says... Well, Cyclops, I thought you also had hope and an evil beast. And Cyclops says, no, I don't. And Captain America says, okay, well, here's some incel for your lie that I am going to pretend I don't believe. Um, And then Cyclops takes the note and shows it to, I'm assuming that's Danny because she has feathers in her ear. That's our only indicator. Um, And then Havoc says, you lied to Captain America. Who I used to be teammates, but he doesn't talk to me either. He's ignoring me and Wolverine. Yeah, his actual have... old teammates. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and we're going to go back into Harry's hideaway and, and read this note. And, and Cyclops says, well, Hope is bad, but she's kind of my granddaughter. And so we're going we're gonna to keep her in the basement. Because right now, the thing to do in X-Books is to put people in the basement. Um, wow, yeah. So... Because you needed to know that it's different, we get a panel of Cyclops' face where there's a panel, there's a border between his good eye and his bad eye. So that way you can tell that he has a good eye. Oh, wait. So he lost his right eye. So he's kind of like left eye Lopez now. Um, anyway. Um, wow. 
sorry, and bad. Hey, nineties comics get nineties music references. Right. No, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so uh, then we go to this back to this Transnia country, which was where we dropped off uh, the the Morlock refugees that are left. Then we go play pool. Um, Cyclops has an eight ball to match his jacket. I don't know. I don't know what. Is that supposed to symbolize something? Is this like a magic eight ball? Is going to tell us the future? I don't know. Anyway, what, um, what you need to do is you have to shake Cyclops's head, and where his eye used to be, like a fortune will come up. <laughs> we have so many great Cyclops ideas. <laughs> we are on fire. Um, anyway, one of the one of the pieces of the art that kind of works for me is Giant Juggernaut here with gnarly gnarly fingers. Um, so he shows up, and they attack. With Magneto, but wait, Magneto is in Age of X Men. What's he doing here? We'll address that. We're not going to address that Danny Moonstar is also in Age of X Men in here. Um, but anyway, so Cyclops. Oh crap! She is in the both. Wow, my mind yeah. is blown. Yeah, people have have pestered Asked. Uh, Rosenberg about this, and he's like, "You'll find out later." So yeah, which will be off panel. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, so then Cyclops says you know what my magic eight ball said it was indecisive and I feel like maybe I've been indecisive and I'm not a good leader anymore um, partially because I only have one eye and I don't want to lead the X-Men so I think we should all lead the X-Men but if we're going to all be leaders we all have to vote on it and so so they have a vote um, Havoc crosses his arms and stares everybody down. Um, it looks like Wolverine just abstains, maybe. Um, so then they vote that they're all the leaders, and they're going to go to Transia. I'm I'm guessing there's some kind of time lag because they couldn't have voted and got here and tried to save people all. <laughs> and that can't all have happened. Wow, not Magneto was. They also had to do another vote, remember? Because magic. Magic, who has had no real experience with Hope, decides to have a vote in her favor. Anyway, right, right. Well, it's just the Young Girls Association, um, birds of a feather and whatnot. Um, so there's uh, they. Oh wait, yeah, this is kind of jumping around because then they're on yes. the battle, but then they're back at the bar, um, and then we find out that Magneto is not Magneto, but remember Joseph. Um, and I thought there was going to be more to this, because they also talk about all these other characters that are in the wrong place. Like, I thought Random was a good guy. I thought Pyro was a different Pyro. I thought blah, blah, right. blah. They introduced a whole new Pyro. <laughs> yeah. No, but, but, but even our characters say that. And <laughs> we get no, like, answer. It's just like, oh, by the way, so Cyclops, I, he can shoot little skinny beams out of one eye. Um... And then uh, Wolverine fights Juggernaut for a second. Um, but so Magneto is Joseph. Uh, our other guys may or may not be other guys. Juggernaut's mad because he thought it was a real Magneto, and he was following the person and not the cause? Question mark. So he feels betrayed and he knocks Joseph out. Um, Cyclops punches Pyro. Um, I feel like it's I, I don't know I don't I don't know visually it always looks like the right eye is 
hurt or not. Um, but anyway, Juggernaut's like, I want to be an X-Men again, because that happened a long time ago, remember? And they're like, okay, sure. And then Psylocke's Asian body shows up. Uh, Quanon or Quanon? Uh, I think Quanon is probably more accurate. Um, it's, it's not Japanese. It's not a Japanese name anyway, so you oh. know, pronounce it however you want. Okay. Anyway. <laughs> of course. So Quanon and On shows up, and um, Wolverine's like, hey, I know this chick. Um, it's not Psylocke, it's the other one. And they're like, oh, okay. And so she's around. And then uh, Danny has a seizure because Wolfsbane is dead. You forgot that Kawana uh, decapitates. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> because why not? She goes, off with his head! And cuts his head off. Basically. But she uses a real sword. She has, so she has... There's this pose. It's actually not a bad panel of her with the like the the, the sum total of her telepathic energy <laughs> in one hand, and then uh, a real katana blade in her other hand. It's actually kind of a cool pose. But um, there's little pieces of the art that I don't mind. Um, it's just not consistent. But anyway, that's to be continued, but not until after War of the Realms. Wow. Uh-huh. You guys so, you guys are gonna talk me out of my, my my straight apathetic threes because this is not good. <laughs> it sounds like you talked yourself out of it, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> I was not gonna be involved. I was really not even gonna I'm just gonna let you guys do the episode and go do something else. <laughs> and, uh... <laughs> oh my god, all these bad books. I'll let I'll let and then I'll just like take the recording and release it as an episode. Right, right, right. <laughs> oh, is it? I mean, what do we need to say? What do you guys want to say? You guys. So I have. Right, so the art I think is a little better here, but still kind of messy. I think the fight scenes kind of work, aren't very dynamic, and I don't feel like there's movement actually happening in some of them. Um, my main problem is the sh- the thematic idea that I've said it before. I feel like these books are very um conservative, or the the conception concepts of the of, of of Rosenberg are very like conservative in nature when when addressing like minority issues. And we have like <laughs> let's be fair, Joseph talks a good game um of like what what people should do when they're hunted and it's kind of like opposite to a lot of the other books that have been written at the moment which is kind of like um i don't know if either of you uh, read the last issue of avengers no way home about not vision yet. not yet um well that very much is the, the antithesis of, of of what is done here um and so what really annoys me is that you have a bunch of characters um predominantly this team is uh female people of color but you just have the white guys tell people how bad it is being a minority which is uncomfortable especially when everyone else is wallpaper anyway yeah they don't do anything it's only cyclops havoc and wolverine doing stuff everyone else is just I mean, how many lines does the have like three lines the whole i don't know 16 issues 
Exactly. And it, it's almost like um, there's this like, weird moment where uh, you forgot that Rain leaves. Mosby um, just leaves because she wants a normal, quote unquote, normal oh, life. Yes, I just could borrow that. Which, which is, is right. So, in the conceptual of a character, when a character's like, I want to leave this life, as in like the superhero life, but it feels almost like she's saying, I want to be normal, not mutant. Um, in, 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 that's how it's framed. And the whole issue is framed in this whole like, don't rebel, um, don't fight back, we'll clean up our own messes because we're, we're minorities. Um, we don't mind that they're in power and because let's let's be honest if this was like good cyclops before he died he'd be he'd be marching to the white house and blowing these the twats out of the the rooms because they're murdering millions of people and using a drug to stop millions more being born it's not like this is like genocide on a on a, on a grand scale isn't that what the x-men fight against um so instead of like being like oh joseph has a point it's like no no he doesn't have a point and then they dispatch him like immediately, like an execution, um, which I oh. think is a visual, a visual problem anyway. And then to, to make to add insult into ins- like add salt in the wound, they let Juggernaut be an X Men again. And the only time he was an X Men was <gasps> Chuck Austin's run. And like you know, <laughs> who wants to revisit that? Um, and <laughs> now we have Havoc and Juggernaut again in the same team. It's, it's crazy. But yeah, I, I find that it's got a really um, unpalatable sense of be normal is the only way to be acceptable. I don't know if that's what he wants, that he wants to criticize that or he wants, like Rosenberg's trying to criticize that concept because the heroes of our story are policing everyone else. And I know the X Men police bad mutants all the time, but it. it right. Joseph but, frames it as like freedom fighting, and he's just literally stopped another freedom fighter in 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 hope. Like that's an issue before. It's like any rebellion against the humans must be quelled, and they're referring to it as we scare retali- we're, we're we're in fear of retaliation, which is we had no I, I don't know I I find it problematic for a book that has always been an allegory of um, fight for your right to to exist, even if they are even if they do fear you. Like, and they might retaliate. You still like fight that fight, whereas well, this feels like. You know, I don't know how I missed this. Do you feel like Rosenberg is trying to write Captain America's manipulating Cyclops? Kind of, it feels like that's what's happening. It feels it like it didn't even occur to me. But it's like he gave him the note to go stop Joseph. So it's exactly, like, it feels like he's just becoming a company man, uh, and which is against what Captain America is about at the moment as well, which right. is insane. Like yeah. every other book, every other book isn't like a lot of other books are quite um, anti-conservative. Just look at like West Coast Avengers. Just look at what Kelly Thompson is doing in Mister 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 X. Like, like, can anyone be more like manipulative than Mojo, for example? <laughs> um, and, uh, but like, in, yeah, in this book, it feels like. Uh, is he is Rosemo trying to make our good guys bad guys by literally turning them into bad guys using dark beasts as a way to um, the the rot is setting from from within? But I don't know. I don't know. It just doesn't... maybe. It, I think I you're giving him too much credit for that that one. I don't uh, think I, he... I feel it's it's the same feeling I have like um, Gen Next, where like it's a story about forbidden love, or, or this whole Age of X Men is a story about forbidden love. Is it? But it's only it's only 
Well, it's, it's framed that way in like in like the prime issue, but no one else. It's only one series That's only nice. slightly talks about it. I, I did not mean like, to derail your point, Dan. Go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, but it's like it's, it's really weird. like the, the the choices they keep making. Like in in Gen Next, they have someone chastise an old, a known gay character for going out with a girl. Like you know what I mean? And it's kind of like there's a lot of sort of weirdly I hate using the word heteronormative like language going on in the xbox right now is it's almost like rejecting anything that was unique beforehand and with the wave of nostalgia they're just wiping clean anything that could possibly be considered outside of a conservative framework and this book this literal issue the decapitation of joseph feels like the killing of all that rebellious um energy the x-men's about like in one foul swoop I don't know if it's a if it's a metaphorical thing that Rosenberg wants to do, or he's just doing it because he believes that minorities talk too much and should be decapitated. Yikes! <laughs> I'm going to try to say that maybe he was not. I don't know. I would hope. I would hate to think that that's that he's got an agenda here. I I prefer to think he's just not very adept at what he's trying to do. <laughs> But, but I mean, I don't know. No, I I would hope that because he is. Let's be honest, he is just like wow, bad. Um, as we will find out in War of the Realms, um, he has no like idea on how to handle stories or characters in a in a, in a decently yeah. paced way. Um, I, I think that's more of what it is. But it's just I mean, maybe subconsciously those are the themes because. You can look at it in other ways. All, we already mentioned that the, the, the people of color and the female characters get, like, nothing to do. And people have leveraged that criticism at him for a long time, and he's never adjusted. So I think that, that that's totally fair. And I think subconsciously he might be – his conservative uh, politics might be seeping into the issue. But I think the majority of it is, like, him just being unable to tell a coherent story or – He's like a 14-year-old who thinks he has the world figured out on like a deep emotional level, and he's trying to like pour that into a comic book, but it just comes off as very juvenile. Um, yeah, he does love his quotes. Yeah, I mean, Dan, I don't discount anything you're saying. Like, you have like a lot of good evidence to back it up, but just by judging his other work, I don't know if he's that adept at. Oh no, no, I just laying out his ideas. Yeah. And I think as I far as the, the repeated like criticism, good. Oh, sorry. You go fast. You go fine. I, I just I think as far as the repeated criticism and not really changing, I think he's above criticism, or or just thinks uh, they're just bitter fans. I don't really need to listen. I don't. I don't think he would take any any level of criticism. And, and let's be fair, um, receiving criticism criticism over social media, you're going to get a lot of invalid criticism. It mixed in with the valid, so he may just dismiss it all, right? And can't necessarily blame him for that, but I I don't think think he would always be, even if there was a good point, he'd always be too stubborn to to course correct. Well, Um, he he could say in an interview that he rejected Red because he didn't think Gene was ready to be a leader. So interesting. Um. Yeah, but I don't know if it's just him or just the whole X universe seems to be on this course correction to like a a more conservative viewpoint, if you know what I mean. But I still think the main, to be fair, all of that criticism aside, 
introducing a character who has a counterpoint who is a radical and then executing him um, right. no. simply to stop the story from being convoluted or complicated is weak writing. Exactly. He's done that exactly. two yeah. he's done that two issues in a row now. Like he's fair enough he didn't execute Hope, but he stabbed her to stop her from talking. So is you know what I mean so like and then imprisoned her in a basement. But then put her on the but then put her on the team. Very, very, very quick sequence of events there from yes, uh, being almost killed to put in a basement to to being almost the leader. <laughs> and how are we supposed to like? Who cares about Joseph? Uh, in in two ways. One is a reader. We find out it's Joseph on like page twenty two or something, and by page. Or sorry, by page like 17, and by page 22, he's dead. So we've got like five <laughs> pages of knowing this is Joseph, and then he's killed. So why should we even care that Joseph was there? And the X-Men don't care. The X-Men aren't like, oh my god, they killed the person. They're like, nah, whatever. Uh, we just it's killed like, another guy. Well, Gambit's the only one that lied to him, and he's off doing other stuff. So, <laughs> And thank goodness, please do not. Please don't introduce any more characters to this book. Leave, leave them alone. <laughs> but anyway, uh, I can't. I can't stay it, y'all. Uh, yeah, twos. Everything gets twos now. I'm gone from everything gets threes to everything gets twos. This gets one for me, um, even though I think the art's a little better. I also am giving it a one. The, I mean, the artwork. I feel like the maybe the colors a little bit better in this one, but the the, the themes and execution is terrible and you know rain we've we've seen her shown in the book like four times and then she's like hey i'm, I'm out and then they kill her so why like why should we care you don't feature her in the story i mean you just kill her off screen i don't what what kind of emotional attachment am i supposed to have when this happens so i just maybe feel like not, it's maybe she's not dead and maybe the reason danny is in both is because this danny isn't danny it's actually like warlock and all of them are Warlock. And Dark Beast mm-hmm. knows they're all Warlock. Or something ridiculous. Fun. Hey, I don't I don't want to spoil what we're about to talk about, but um so War of the Realms is also written by Rosenberg. Yes. And and in that one is where Hope actually comes out of the basement. But there's no reference when, when Magic says, Hey, I have a vote too, and then Hope's on the team. Are we supposed to infer that her vote also came with a? By the way, she really helped us take out the dark dwe- dark elves or whatever. I I don't know. It's not clear at all. Yeah, and it's the same writer. I just want to point out is it's the same writer. It's not. It's not like I, I didn't get the notes from the other writer. When we get to Age of X Men, I can point out like these writers are definitely not talking to each other about how characters. <laughs> Are written. Well, they're passed out in the hot tub. We, we are. <laughs> but yeah, this is the same writer. He should definitely be able to keep track of what he's writing in the other book. Okay. Well, speaking of the other book, much like the other woman, um, we have War of the Realms on Kenny X Men number one. Um, so, Dan, what, what happens in this thing? Things happen. Um, anyway, <laughs> yes. Um, well, yes. Uncanny X Men: War of the Realms. Yes, as we said, written by Matthew Rosberg. It's drawn by Pierre Perez. Um, 
Killed by Michelle Rosenberg, led by VCs Travis Lan- Lanham, and the cover artist is David Yadin. Though it looks like a V on my my um um book for some unknown reason. Huh. But yes, the cover is um Asgardian Danny Moonstar Valkyrie styling um in the front with the rest of the female new mutants in the background. And it isn't bad, it isn't good, and to be fair, it's Italian. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Georgie, do you care for the cover? I mean, it's maybe my favourite of the first three covers we've seen so far, but it's not saying a whole lot. Exactly, Mundo. So, for all of you who haven't read World Realms and to get you up to speed, every other realm is on fire, or taken over by Malekith, the Dark Elf, who um, has more charisma than the rest of this book. And um, (laughs) it's all spelled out into Midgard. There you go. <laughs> that's, 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 that's all you need to know. Yeah. And we start with a quote. Um, well, we start with a person talking about a quote, because Rosenberg. And it's all about Danny. It's a quote inside a quote. Yeah, it's mental. And then we get a lot of slim, very slim, slim people. Um, he's, <laughs> the Cyclops is... Um, also, you know you're saying about like the chamber thing um, with power bleeding? This is the first time I've seen so much energy bleed out of Cyclops' tiny visor. <laughs> um, I have in many a year. Every he's, time he's, he's in. He's skinny Cyclops and his visor got like slimified as well. And there's yeah. just energy pouring it also, out of his It eye. also comes out both sides of the visor. I just want to point that out. <laughs> D- depending on the page. Whatever side is facing the reader oozes. Oh. We have a not very full team of Uncanny X-Men. So we've got Cyclops, Magic, Multiple Man, Havoc, Wolfsbane, and they actually use her name. One of her names is it Mirage this time. Oh, yeah. Um, Johnny, uh, right. Um, so so Rain is actually... not in... dead yet. Yeah, exactly. I'm not dead yes. yet. <laughs> Can I just say that I don't know what many... Like, Rain's um, Scottish, isn't she? Um, yeah. I don't know how many... Scottish people Rosenberg has met, other than Chris Claremont's Scottish how to write <laughs> uh, a Scottish accent. That would be but, it. That's one of my uh, favorite books. She 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 clearly comes from Glasgow. Um, that's all I'm gonna say. Um, at least he's got like one Scottish city down. Um, but yes, the team starts. They're fighting an egg and a man dressed in a really bad '90s cyber force costume. And you heard me right, an egg with arms, who I yeah. thought was like an egg, egg Deadpool. No, it's uh, uh, Nanny. It's Nanny and Orphan Maker from the old X Factor days. And I don't remember them for a reason, clearly. Um, <laughs> and so they have a fight, and this, this, this team, which has Havoc, let me reiterate, has Havoc on the team, who could probably knock them both down in one blast, has a kerfuffle with these um, orphan-making people. Um, and then Danny's like, oh, I gotta go. And then whispers sweet nothings into magic's ear, and they just pop off to nowhere. And the rest of the team seems to do do fun, and then they all shout at each other, because that's what these people do. Magic turns up, it's like, Danny needs help, let's go. They teleport to the West Village, which I assume is New York, because um, it just says Midgard, the West Village. It could be anywhere, to be honest. There's many West Villages in England, so... Oh, well, it's the, the West Village of, of New York. But, but I know. 
I'm just on this page. On this page, I really felt like the artwork changed from this page forward. It, uh, I don't know if they just put a lot more detail into the backgrounds, but it felt like a different, at least colors moving forward here. It, it felt like like someone trying to ape uh, Dodderman or or Ribic a little bit here, but uh, not that they were. The color Go ahead. The colorwork is very much like a Dodderman book, right? Like it, especially the gradation of the buildings. Exactly, exactly. I was like, wait a second, this feels different than the first four pages. But alas, the script is not, so it carries on. Um, our X-Men fight some Dark Elves, and just that's pretty much all that happens. Uh, we have a big old blast um, from Havoc, which knocks a few down. There's flying dogs around, apparently. Uh, there's... Havoc makes a hole in the wall and just walks up to it and then leads them to a giant. Basically, all that have seems to happen is giant smashes the floor, people fall down, Wolfsbane and one of Madrox's multiples. Uh, again, Havoc fires a giant but doesn't do anything. And then, lo and behold, Banshee, who looks less zombie than normal, rips through the back of the guy's throat. Is Banshee this powerful? I don't know. <laughs> like, is he still is he still got the death seed inside him? Or something? I like that his his uh, his sonar blasts are like wavy, like they're not, like the circles aren't right. Like, I I like that visual. Oh yeah, nice catch. Um, Hope ch- turns up because Magic was like, "We need her," and then Magic jumps down the hole. See, no, that's, Hope doesn't turn up because Matt. They just kind yeah. of bust out. Like, Magic just goes and jailbreaks them. Yeah. That's separate than the vote that allowed her to go fight Joseph. Like, I, I don't know. This, it's all discombobulated. Because, like, Cyclops tells her to go get help, and all she brings right. back is, is, is them two, because Wolverine's not there. Well, yeah, because he's already off fighting War of the Realm stuff. He's, he's actually fighting with the Punisher right now. Why don't, you, why don't you bring Dark Beast? Are we not allowed to bring um, Robot Dark Beast? He seemed pretty handy. Yeah. Um, but clearly not. And um, so... Well, he Magic... has magic needles that fix plot points, so they definitely should have. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he would have dealt with it off-panel, like he always did. Yeah, right? Magic off-panel. And Jason Aaron's like, what happened to War of the Realms? And Rosenberg's like, oh, Dark Beast got it. He's like, ah, oh, bro. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway magic jumps into a sewer um to save her friend and weirdly wherever magic goes and she literally says it wherever magic goes hope goes now which magic and hope i don't know you could probably make a song about that um <laughs> and then like the rest of the x-men are just left there um oh i forgot karma's there Bless her. I forgot she's there because she's never used. So right. she actually speaks. Wow. Anyway, sorry, I'm completely well, amazed that she, she speaks and Cyclops immediately tells her to shut up. Pretty much. <laughs> and um, <laughs> off panel, he hey, tells her to maybe, go back to the kitchen and make a pie. Maybe there is something to Dan's <laughs> um, peek inside Rosenberg's mind. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Cyclops does. He literally bites her head off for talking. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. And then in the sewers, um, because she of... is she's a double minority, right? Because she's Asian yeah, she's and, and homosexual. And, and... Yeah. 
Yeah, so she can't exist in Rosenberg's universe. Oh, gosh. Um, uh, <laughs> but she can't speak, at least. Right, um, right. Yeah, she can be there. So down in the sewers, uh, Wolfsbane. I actually really like this design of Wolfsbane, by the way. Um, yeah. Like, I really, really, really dig the whole... I think... Other than... Other than Perez Perez taking the slim nickname of Cyclops way too seriously, most of this art is not bad. Agreed. So Cyclops is way too skinny. He's like he's like a, a stick with arms. Yeah, yeah. I suppose he's supposed to be like that. But things happen in the ba- in the basement in the sewer, um, <laughs> don't they? Chamber, chamber and hope. <laughs> Save the day. Um, Chamber continues to be a Deus Ex Machina, and then um, Hope leeches is going to leech Chamber's powers, but seems to leech Sunspot's powers instead for her hands. That's uh, what it seems like. Yeah. Right. And then back on the surface, um, Banshee's doing all the work as usual. Uh, a dog, fly, flying dog, picks up Alex because that's about as useful as he gets. And um, then Danny is all like, oh, look, I got here because I wanted because Odin told the Valkyries to come. But look, we're all dead. And there's just a picture of dead Valkyries. And of course, the most overused quote I have in all of comicdom um, finishes the book. Mm-hmm. And that's it. Artistically, I actually quite enjoyed a lot of this. There's a lot of good parts. Um, so... In the conundrum of who's telling who to do what, this is a good example of how Rosenberg is usually a good colors. And so why are the colors so bad and uncanny? Like, I don't... Is it... I mean, is it LaRocca's fault that the colors are bad? <laughs> I, just, I don't get it, because there's actually, like, different color palettes in this book. And looks pretty good. And in fact, there's the first time that Havoc um, shoots his powers is a great panel. Um, I guess it's like uh, um, second page in, where mm-hmm. the, the background's mm-hmm. white, and then you have like the kind of the because he's still in his Tron suit um, that he's had for for years now. Um, ever since Tron Legacy came out, and they all get those redesigns. Mm-hmm. Um, but but no, but it looks cool in the light blues and the whites like look really great. The art's really cool there. Is so the colors in most of this book are pretty good. I don't I just don't under yeah, I don't know. I don't understand because if it's the same colors, then there's gotta be another factor on why Uncanny is so muddy and dark and this is mostly pretty clear. I mean there's still some choice. stuff. Clearly yeah. it's really a creative choice. As opposed yeah. to um, be it artistically, like from from LaRocca himself or from Rosenberg or LaRocca or the editor of the book, someone's clearly been like, it needs a darker color palette because the story's darker. Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, case in point, um, when they're fighting the giants, there's a there's that page where it starts off with, I don't know, Cyclops got a sword, and Magic has a sword, and then Wolfsbane is cutting the Frost Giant, and then Havoc is blasting at the bottom. If we were, if this was a page out of Uncanny, 
there's like seven or eight different shades of blue that would have all have been the same shade on the same page and uncanny. But in this book, they're actually all like different blues, like Cyclops's uniform, the Frost Giant blood, Magic Sword and Havoc's power, and the, even the windows in the background, all different shades of blue. We don't have that variation in Uncanny. It's just weird. It's weird that it's the same person. Is I guess my point. But because like the final panel, the street is beautifully colored, like, generally really gorgeous. Color yeah, color. right. Yeah, like I, I, I. We have our our group texting going on, and I saw the first page of this, and I was like, oh no, this is not going right. to be good artwork. Yeah, it's not. <laughs> it's a terrible first page. <laughs> yeah. And I would say this this even the first couple pages aren't great, but as soon as I get into New York, it it like the artwork quality jumps dramatically. Uh I was really surprised. Yeah. I I I can't I know I've said it before, but I generally adore what they've done with Wolfsbane. Like there's a real like um sense of acrobatics to her movement. Like she literally uh-huh. feet first someone in the face in the sewers, which I thought was a really nice touch. And I like the fact that she's shifting constantly into different her different sort of wolfy forms. I, just, I, I don't know. I was kind of sat there going, I could totally see a Wolf Spain solo miniseries with this artist. No, too um, much dead. <laughs> oh, man. But yes. I actually, um, even though it was like, Hammering home the whole, is this how the world ends? Not with a bang, but with a whisper. The quote that is just overused and needs to just be not used in fiction anymore. Um, Aside from that, I was kind of like, it doesn't, it feels more like Phoenix Resurrection Rosenberg. It does. It's not terrible. But there's still, but then (laughs) Havoc's changed his personality again in between books because he's now like, douche bro astonishing havoc again so maybe fighting an interstellar mythical war makes them better characters i don't know <laughs> yeah he's kind of failing upward havoc in this one yeah he's more i think astonishing character and no just feel, and like even magic feels a little well magic has a lot is allowed to do things <laughs> so, of course it's going to feel refreshing she's allowed to do something and um, I, I actually preferred this to the other uncannies. Yeah. There you go. I said it. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go back up to my three on this one. I'm actually gonna join you at three because I think the art's really nice. I love the color work most of the way through. I, I generally don't understand why it isn't the same. It's a problem. Right. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm actually really close to being like a four on this for, for the artwork. Wow. Yeah. It's, uh, it uh, after those first couple pages is is quite lovely. It's it's really puzzling. <laughs> this this book can be, you know, not great, but you know, enjoyable. Oh. Where the other books are so dour and poorly poorly paced, poorly characterized. It's like, I, I wonder if if how much Rosenberg, how much freedom he had to tell in this, or like you need to have these beats in the story, or this needs to happen, and so. He has to follow someone's outline, maybe, for this, and that's why it's different. Also, I think that um, before they go to New York, it's in the, it's colored in the, it's mostly colored in the Dower Uncanny. Yeah, yeah, true. Because like the black, the black trees sort of really are really like 
add to the fact that most of it's quite heavily inked in his first like sort of five pages then when you get to new york without the black trees and with an actual background um things feel sort of more like the inking's very, very much fine like that first action panel where everyone's just like attacking elves and that's, Cyclops, black page. Like, that's a great page yeah, that that, just, that literally does look like a different artist and a completely different book than like the first couple. Right? It's, like, it's just crazy. And I love that page. I think that page is great. I love the fact that Cyclops is elbowing of elf in the page. <laughs> <laughs> it just, I don't know. Um, but yeah, if Uncanny was more like this, I could probably get behind it a little bit more because it's definitely like, for me, it's definitely like a, a middle of the, <laughs> sounds ridiculous that a middle of the road book is better, but it's definitely a middle of the road book that's in a, inoffensive and is a nice, like, easy read, sort of. Well, as opposed maybe to what we have. if Rosenberg, I don't know, I think maybe sometimes when he decides to give people personality, his personality writing can be better than his plot writing. Yeah. To a degree. Um, and here, what, whether he was subjected to, like, a, here's from point A to point B or not, I mean, it's definitely, this is the main plot of War of the Realms, you know, do something inside of that. So, it is it is more of just how these characters talk to each other, What, how are they going to fight the elves, I mean, this, they're definitely going to fight the elves, How what's going to happen when they do it? Um, I don't know. Maybe he just, maybe... <sighs> Sometimes I really honestly just believe that he just bit off more than he could chew on Uncanny. Like, it's just a little bit out of his depth and out of his range um, with thematically. Um, and when he's not extending his reach, he can, he can do a little better. You know, this one's definitely more, more restrained in themes and much, a much lighter fare as far as, like, the plot points. Um, I mean, there's really... There's no philosophy that goes behind fighting dark elves. You just get out there and do it, right? Um, exactly. I don't know. Yeah. All righty. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it's we got two more issues of this. So if the the, the artwork stays like this, we we might have a couple of enjoyable issues coming up. Yeah. All right. Well, so from one event. As being very well, I won't say very, but pretty well received. To another event, uh, not as much. Um, <laughs> you mean an event that was like built up over years and it was like earned and has real character behind it? Yes, <laughs> I'm not talking about Age of, of X Men. Right? Yeah, that would definitely be War of the Realms. Um, yeah. All right, guys. So we've got like what? Let me let me count this: one, two, three, four, five, six books uh, to, to go over. If we really want to go over, go over these books. Um, you don't have to. You just <laughs> why don't you just kind of catch the catch the listeners up to where the story is kind of going. I don't. I again, I'm not sure it's going anywhere, but you know, I'm, some stuff happens, right? Stuff does happen. Um, let, let's start with uh, Apocalypse and the Extracts with uh, writer Tim Seeley, artist Salva Sel- Espin, color artist Israel Silva, letterer VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, basically, it, it's lo- looks like a bad Saturday morning cartoon or like um, if the Bratz universe took over the X-Men. That's how this is going. 
the best part about this book by far are the colors. Yeah, definitely the color work. Um, we get sort of like this weird story of this taking place in the past and in the present, but it's not really explained when in his past the present. You, yeah, how can you tell? I cannot. Yeah, I was so confused reading this book. This was a jumble of things, and so like the, they show Kitty getting rescued by Apocalypse, and Apocalypse rescuing his son, and like stuff happening with Apocalypse versus the X Men, and. Uh, his son and some people out in the desert fighting people and almost getting killed. Um, and then Omega Red kind of shows up, which is who they hint at on the cover. It's it's a terrible issue. One of the, the, the things that really struck me was having Apocalypse, a character who's known for causing, like, mass death and destruction on, like, a, a holocaustal scale, explaining to Kitty what uh, Judaism is was really weird to me. <laughs> So that was that was it's just a really problematic and, and ugly and and really hard to follow issue. Uh, I would definitely skip this book altogether if if, if possible. Uh, any questions, or should I just keep moving on? No, keep going. You're fine. <laughs> well, I, I would say that I, I, I skipped most book. of the words, so I, I, I kind of supported that book in its first issue. And now I'm wrong. I was wrong the first time. I'm wrong again. <laughs> <laughs> I really was like, are we really having Apocalypse explain what the menorah is to Kitty and like him being like, religion is a way to talk to God and blah, and I'm like, what? This guy? And my God, I mean me. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, moving on to Prisoner X uh, number two. Uh, this is really maybe the worst looking, well, extremist exists. So maybe the second worst looking book. Uh, of of everything, um, it's just Bishop going around the prison, being like, "Hey, I remember stuff. Do you remember stuff?" And people are like, "Shut up! Let me punch you!" And, <laughs> and eventually, it, it ends with like uh, Bishop going through a bunch of uh, like finding a hallucinations of himself, and then being locked back into his room. It's not really clear what's going on, and uh, Silex shows up here, and she acts like a total hard ass. Which is very different than how she acts in extremist. So uh, this was this is also a, a definite pass for me. I there's a fight scene between Hank and him that like Hank's all about like beating him up, and then at the end he's like, "Hey, here's some piece of advice. I'm gonna look out for you from now on." And it doesn't make any logical sense whatsoever. Uh, so I would yeah stay away from this one. Just so we're clear, the writer is Vida Ayala, artist is Jermaine Peralta, color artist is Mike Spicer. Letter is VC's Josephino. Um, so that was letter, Prisoner X. The, the cover is definitely the best thing from this book. Yes. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, and I forgot, I, didn't, I tweeted this earlier. Um, in the Apocalypse book, isn't, isn't this the issue where there's a really cool page of iBoy? Oh, in the Apocalypse book? Where it's... Yeah, where he's like double eight, like James Bond iBoy. Oh, yeah. Where his yeah. eyes aren't like focused on anything, uh, right? But yeah, all looking all over the place, like taking everything in. It's a pretty cool panel. Does not uh, equal the purchase value of the book, but oh. it is a good panel. <laughs> one, you heard it. There's one good panel in 24 pages. <laughs> yep. Martin, hooray! All right. Well, let's jump to. Sorry, just checking the order of my notes here. 
Let's jump to next gen number three, which might be the best looking book. Yeah, of- I think so. Yeah, I like um uh uh his name is escaping me. Marcus Toe is Toe, the yes, artist. Yes. Yeah. Ed Brisson is the writer. Jason Keith is the color artist and letterer. We have Clayton Cowles. Um, we have a really great cover by uh, Mr. Bacalo. Um, yeah. Which they finally colored right because that was originally <laughs> Maggot was originally white. Right. Um, and then then he was white, white, and now he's blue. <laughs> so they finally and, got the hint that it was wrong. And he's not even in the issue anyway. Uh, right. Why? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, basically, half of these people on the cover aren't even in the damn issue. Right. Uh, but this is very much, if, if Uncanny was like hammering people in the head over its themes, this book is doing it just as hard. Uh, we've, we've got the kids, and they're all like confused about what's going on because uh, there's the revolution, and they're not sure if some people are in it and some aren't. Um, and Pixie is following around. Um, oh boy, armor because she thinks she's in the revolution, and they watch. And she's on drugs. Yeah, they watch a movie about drugs in in like health class, and Pixie's like, "Oh, you're definitely on drugs. I'm going to confront you." It's the most ham-fisted thing uh, ever. Um, the color work is is kind of subdued and kind of nice here. I would say like buy this for the artwork maybe, but the story is just like someone who doesn't really understand. Subtlety hitting people over the head with with themes of of uh, of like um, look out for whoever's around you because everyone's against you. I I agree. This book is not subtle at all. I would say of this group of Age of X Men books, this was the only one I could actually read the whole issue. I I have, I have uh, my preference for for series that I like better. But, you know, this is probably a close second for me. Yeah. I, and I will say also, um, I know the treatment of Enola has been somewhat problematic, but I love uh, Toe's version and, like, his face, different facial expressions. I think really gives Enola some some personality, maybe even more so than the writing. Um, yeah. I think, that's, <laughs> I think that's pretty cool. Like, I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed Toe's interpretation of some of these characters. Yeah, the artwork here is definitely the, the the reason to buy this issue if you're going to buy this issue, which you really don't need to. Right. Um, but if if you're on the edge, I would say, well, if you like uh, some nice artwork, this is not bad to look at. Um, so there's that. Uh, it it has sort of sidestepped the uh, are they gay or not gay question, and it's more about the revolution now. But whatever, uh, moving on. To uh, Nightcrawler, the amazing Nightcrawler. Let me find it. Let me find it. Number three, um, with this terrible cover that looks like they're both gone through. They've been hit with like uh, Nightcrawler and Megan have been hit with the ugly stick on this on this cover. Yeah, I like Shane Davis. I've not enjoyed his covers for this series. Yeah, it's not. It's not nice. Uh, we have writer Sean uh, McGuire, artist Juan Figueri, color artist Dono Sanchez Elmara, and letterer uh, VCs Travis Lanham. Uh, I want to say the art kind of fluctuates between, you know, really nice and kind of rough uh, throughout this issue. Um, but um, it starts off with uh, Mystique showing up 
being like, hey, I got some news for you. And then they fight for no reason and she escapes and he realizes that um, Mystique left a, a folder with some info for him. He looks at it and guess guess who is outlined in this folder? Dan, this is this is for you. Guess whose secret family relation is revealed here? Um, is it TJ? Yep. Yeah. Uh, so he has a daughter in this universe named Tina Jean, and she is very blue. She looks exactly like Nightcrawler. She doesn't quite look like uh, the, the TJ we're used to. So right. this this issue is all about Nightcrawler wrestling with: Do I need to go see her or not see her? And also wrestling with uh, the interpersonal uh, relationship he had with Megan. Uh, if you don't know, they were they were they were banging boots uh, in a previous issue. Um, yeah, and so it's it's just sort of him wrestling with, you know, am I allowed to have a family? Am I allowed to love? Uh, you know, what should I do? It's it's the only series that tackles with the relationships and family are outlawed, and what does that actually mean? Which I give it props for. Yes, and I, I think there are definite panels. For example, there's a great panel where uh, Nightcrawler is training uh, for a movie shoot. That look lovely. Him like fighting a, a number of people. Uh, that is, it's colored quite nicely and drawn really well. And you think, oh, this might be a great looking book. And then you flip the page and be like, oh no, this is not a great looking book. I don't. It, it really fluctuates between amazing and, and ugly. So it's right. It's disappointing that way. But I really like it for its themes um, and really trying to explore the world. Um, so if you're looking at something that's actually like, hey, what does it mean to have to fight for your, you know, having a family or to, to let love exist and this is the book to read but um you know reading this over again I, I feel like maybe you're right jason next gen 3 is probably better than this book was yeah i mean to me they're they're pretty close i think the nightcrawler book has some of the better ideas there's definitely in, better writing than next series. gen yeah, yeah. But um, the next gen art is definitely better than this. This yeah, it's too bad they couldn't have switched. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, I think I would love to see Marcus Toad do a Nightcrawler book. I think that'd be rad. Yeah, that would be Uh Then we're going to jump to the Marvelous X Men number three, which is not a very nice looking book at all. Uh, I would say, I keep saying this is actually the ugliest book, but maybe this is the ugliest book now that I look at Marvelous. <laughs> It is really bad, this issue. Um, the cover is nice. I'll say that. Uh, it's definitely done by different artists. We've got um, cover artist Phil Noto. So, you know, obviously we're going to have something pretty, which is Magneto talking to Storm with X-Men in the background. Um, we've got writers Zach Thompson and Lonnie Nadler, uh, artist Marco Frilla, uh, color artist Matt Miller, and letterer VCs Joe Caramagna. Now remember, Zach Thompson is the architect of this whole world, and he's really just inconsistent on what the world is supposed to be here. Um, basically, the world is falling apart, and instead of um, X-Man being like, hey, I, I'm super powered, I can just fix things, I created this whole world, I could just fix people and make them not like angry and hate each other, I'm just going to act like I can't do anything. And so everything falls apart. Magneto and Storm realize that they have these other memories. They go to confront X-Man, who um, erases their memories. And he's like, oh, I've got so much work to do. And it ends on a quote. 
So, more quotes. Yay, quotes. <laughs> Don't pick this book up. It is rough. Uh, and then, uh, finally, finally, um, we have the extremists, extremists, uh, the, let me find this. What's this book called again? Extreme. Extremists. Uh, number three. Uh, probably the best looking artwork is the cover here, which is Psylocke and the Blob on like standing in front of a sunset. And it alludes to them being romantic, which is not necessarily something that actually happens in the book at all. Um, this book feels more like Psylocke is, is like thirst trapping Blob and <laughs> making him feel bad. I mean, the, the issue two ended with Psylocke, like, crawling across the desk, being like, well, what do you think about this? And it ends with him being like, yeah, I like it. She's like, okay, fine, I'm leaving. <laughs> <laughs> Just wanted to make sure. Yeah. Make sure I still got it. Um, yeah. There's an interesting well, conversation about um, Psylocke's body image and how her herself... I guess worth changed depending on which body she was in. I thought that was kind of interesting. Um, I don't know. I to be honest, I didn't quite read it all because <laughs> the words didn't read all the words there's because a lot of, there's a lot of them. And and it feels like Williams doesn't really know what a conversation is like. Like she's never had one in real life before. <laughs> oh gosh. <laughs> Because things will happen, then suddenly someone will say something about something completely different or tangential, and they just go along with it. It's and it's not just because they're using a dialect from, um, uh, like the French Canadian dialect to talk. It's like someone else will jump into the conversation, and suddenly we're talking about something different that, and everyone just goes along with it. It's it's very confusing, and and. People's eyes in this book are like all over the place uh, in terms of no one's eyes are ever level and they're always like lopsided and it's a bad looking book. Um, everyone's really problematic. Like they're all terrible people. They have people locked in the basement, blah, 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 blah. They get into a fight and then uh, one of them goes to convince the others that the revolution really exists. And you see the revolution is a bunch of like just like hippie kids sitting around a campfire. Uh, so these extremists decide to beat them all up, and a blob gets angry, and, and he tells um, one of the members that they're out of the group. They're going to have their exit interview tomorrow, at which time we're going to like erase your memory. And then Psylocke grabs Blob's hands like, thank you, you did good. And it, it's – there's no – I don't know why why this book exists. I, 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 I feel the- like I've been ranting for like eight eight hours here, but there's no purpose to this book. I read this one, and I agree slightly with um, Jason in the sense that the the the, the idea of uh, um, Betsy being uncomfortable with her new body and the body image and all that stuff um, is a really interesting concept. Yet it's in a book surrounded by moments that, much like Georgie says, have no real linking tissue. You have this one new character. Is it Monita? Monitor? I don't even know what her name yeah. is. Um, mm-hmm. who... I, I keep thinking, I keep having to remind myself that it's not Monet. <laughs> <laughs> because it's, the name is so close. 
And because she's not anywhere else, it's like, oh, wait, no, not not same personality, not the same power set, different person. Um, anyway, that's just my, my own hangout. And she's, she's drawn with these really wide mouth expressions when she's shouting, like she's spitting all the time, and she's really heavily sort of um, vilified throughout the book. And juxtaposed to um, Jubilee, who almost visually looks the same as her exactly um who 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 is worried about people locked in the basement you have bobby who is just i don't even know what purpose bobby serves apart from a fighting because he's, he's just like sort of talking about pans all the time like he's gone crazy and you've got um north star who is oblivious to it all like he just is so apathetic like he's like a glacier um right. and then you have like this extremely cringeworthy scenes with with Psylocke and because um, it's great to have like a body positive sort of oh the chubby guy gets the beautiful girl kind of thing. But then you have then she layers on this idea, like you said, like Psylocke <laughs> crawls across a table at him and then's like nope, close those legs and leaves. <laughs> um, then, then then the next time they the opposite each other on the table they're reading books together and so much t.s Eliot. um but like they're reading books at the same time <laughs> and she's like i don't like this one it's too raw and very like, quickly like, I'm like, <laughs> how are they reading these books so fast and i was just thinking to myself well is this leah williams like being like oh you shouldn't read this writer it's all about t.s Eliot." and is it is leah williams sat in a room with rosenberg one day and rosenberg was like oh great yeah i'll borrow that book is this a literal conversation that happened between those two <laughs> Is that how they talk to each other? <laughs> and it just feels really bizarre. And going from that to like her, sad, like having this really genuine, like emotional moment about the way she looks in a book that doesn't seem like it should be in there. Like it's a great scene, but it doesn't belong here. It belongs when she first got her body back. It belongs talking about like right. she was, because like Sadok before she was swapped into, um, her, her ninja body was a supermodel like oh yeah she was true a supermodel and and she was always sort of um a bit um <laughs> a bit less confident about her physicality than when she was in a ninja because she wasn't a ninja at the time i suppose right. um but she was still a model and she's still like bringing like when she came back if they literally dealt with her coming back as opposed to instantly doing uncanny one to ten where she's just flinging shields and swords around it may have been more interesting and more relevant here it just feels like i have this point to make this this issue is about this point last issue was about this point and i feel like claire williams is either on a ticking time clock of she's not going to be able to re- write about x characters again after this issue or not because she's like hitting points that she it, it feels like she's hitting points that she right. knows she's never going to hit again. Yeah, this and, is my chance to say this. And it, 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 it's not, it's, as it works as a scene, it doesn't work as a story for, for the whole plot. And um, That's why I stopped reading. It was, it was so disjointed. I was like, I, can't, I don't need to, I can't follow what they're saying anyway, because it doesn't make, it doesn't match up. These puzzle pieces don't fit. So I'm just going to look at what happens more than read because this and is like, a mess. And it's crazy, because like, we've got this gen- genteel, gentle Jordan um, white blob um, <laughs> walking walking around. And like the first time we see Blob in this universe, he's basically frothing at the mouth wanting to beat a child up. 
You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, where's the, where's the disconnect? And then this one's like, oh no, they're scared. They're scared of us. They were scared of you in issue one when you stole that 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 that, that couple away and locked someone in a basement. She was terrified of you, but apparently you only notice now when you're beating the life out of children. In next gen number one, Blob is there like beating up an all and like really aggressive to everyone and mean. Uh, it, it it's not the same character. And I feel like if that's what they're doing in the field, they would know that people would be afraid of them. I think we're supposed to assume that Psylocke, like, having this kind of new human connection is main, has opened his eyes a little bit. It's just not very well done. And this whole, like, do I disturb the universe when he destroys the thing that's killing all the moths because he's so obsessed with bloody moths? Um, I don't know. It's, 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 it's grasping at like um, physical um, and and philosophical ideas that it can never ever reach, but it'll still try. And then we'll have a scene where they're basically fas- fascist little woman that they have now, and we'll just open her mouth really wide and scream at people. That, that <laughs> seems to me. I, I don't know. I, I just I just find I think extremist for me is the worst out of all of them because it just is a mess. Oh, no, if we're talking, like, some of them have nice themes, some of them have some nice character beats, some of them have some nice art, some of them are, like, kind of mediocre all the way through, but this is a mess story, plot, character, and artwork. It's, this is the one I would recommend not picking up, and this is the one that more people have really been, like, gung-ho about online. And I don't know why. I think um, I, I think there's a feeling of I'm supposed to think this is deep and like it, so I'm going to do that. Right. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know. I, I mean, that's casting too many aspersions on different people. I, here's what we'll do. Obviously, um, we've not been super positive <laughs> in this episode, um, but there's been a lot more positive reaction to some of these books you know, including Uncanny and some and a couple of the Age of X-Men books as well. So, I this is a genuine invitation. This is not being argumentative or anything. If you're listening to the show and you're like, hey, I really like that book, tweet at us. Tell us what you like about it, why you like it, and, you know, what is, is ticking the boxes for you. And I'm really interested in, in, other than just people buying it because it's the event or because it sells well or because hey someone else told me this is good i'd be really curious what people are getting out of this that maybe i'm missing and maybe it's just a different taste i mean that could just be that simple but you know i'd be interested in hearing what people are genuinely enjoying about about some of these books that we've not been crazy about i mean if someone had some rational thoughts behind why these are are enjoyable books or what we're missing i'd love to hear it honestly yeah Yeah. what if are are we totally in the wrong like i don't think we're totally in the wrong but if we are i don't think anybody's right or wrong (laughs) well i mean if if we if we have totally missed the point of something you know or we this artwork we're we're criticizing in the wrong way for whatever reason if, if you can illuminate why we're you know wrong about this or or what we're missing i'd really love to to get like have an in-depth conversation with someone about that right yeah i as opposed to being extremely diplomatic um i would love a discussion not just a um i like it because cyclops 
Um, yes. Oh, right, 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 right. right. Oh, no, no. Uh, because I've unfortunately had, like, a genuine, like, uh, moment about what I think is slightly wrong with Uncanny, and the only defence I got was, but Cyclops, or but Wolverine. And I'm like, that's right. not invalidating anything I've just said. That's just saying you like it. Because <laughs> Logan's in it. If you want to, if you want to debate his, my his claws are in it anyway. If yeah, if you want to debate or discuss any of the points, then I'm well up for that. I'm just, uh, I will not engage if it's just I like the color blue. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you Wolverine stabbing. I like it. Yeah. Breaking news: Dan hates blue. <laughs> <laughs> well, technically, I hated gold, but um... <laughs> oh, true, true. Love red, though. Gotta love that red. Yeah. So, unfortunately, the majority of the books are not worth reading. I think there are two that could you could get something out of, and those would be Nightcrawler and Gen uh, Next Gen. Yeah. But I wouldn't. They're not. <laughs> I'm not gung ho about either of them. I wouldn't be like, oh, these are must buys. These are like, well, out of these six series these two aren't so bad is, is those are my best feelings right yep yep cool well um just a quick wrap up maybe end on a slightly higher note i didn't get a chance to read domino and the hot shots number two but i did really enjoy the first issue and i'm looking forward to the second one um Mr. and Mrs. X number 10, I thought was pretty good. I thought visually outstanding, especially the color work. Did you, you guys have any quick thoughts on either of those books? I really like the art in... in um, can we just call it Rogue and Gambit again? Yeah, um, might as well. <laughs> um, I really like the art in Rogue and Gambit, and I love the fact that it ended the Mojo story. That was a massive plus. Um, yeah. And I actually like the, the end where they get all the messages. Yeah, that was fun. They've got like a million voicemails, and I was like, "That's pretty cool." And that the um, Thompson connects it to what hap- what's just happened in um, Captain Marvel. Captain Marvel. That's a Claremont like... move, man. That's a Claremont tying your your different books together. That's, uh, that's old school Claremont. That's really cool. I was I like, like, someone's paying attention to their own work. Finally, yes. um, <laughs> 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 I was quite. Well, I was scared that it was going to be like. Oh no, we now have to go to Uncanny because we have messages. And I was like, no, not you two. Right. You she's, two in, she's in the whole of the class of writer than than Rosenberg. I mean, yeah. let's be fair. Yes. Even, even um, if she would get mad that we said that, it's still true. I really enjoyed Domino. I think I just like Gail Simone's um uh banter. I just, yeah. I, I've always I've always liked her banter in her books. Um and the art's really nice. So. Oh, I love Baldion. Oh, I come. Oh, yeah, so good. I was always, always. I was never a big. Let me let me cut that back again. I haven't read that much Gail Simone and stuff. I did read some like New Fifty Two stuff. I wasn't really into. So when I think I've said this before, when she took over Domino, I was like, I don't know about this. But I've been super happy with everything she's written. And anytime that Baldion is like solo artwork on this thing has been just just absolutely gorgeous. It's it's going to be sad when this is over. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Well, okay. Um, guys, you're the Escalabros, and where can people Escalabro <laughs> up? Um, Hashtag bro up? 
Grow up. Grow Instead up, of glow bro. up, we grow up. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, bl- mind blown. Um, yeah, I'm, I can't even think now that you said that. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can find us on Twitter at Excalibros1. Uh, right, yes. Dan? Yes, that's true. And you can um, find us on Podbean and uh, slash Excalibros. And you can find us on iTunes and Stitcher and everywhere else. I think we're still quite... If you just type Excalibros into, uh, into Google, I think most of it's all there. So Which all I would good. imagine. So we, awesome. we are... Go ahead. No, I was just going to say, but I don't know if any... Uh, this is a Google thing. I don't know if anyone's done Google recently, but type in Thanos and click his gauntlet. It's all, It's a little funny thing. I enjoyed it. Okay. And then um, once it's finished doing its thing, click its gauntlet again. All right. Okay. You guys have a game to go play. (laughs) I want to just reiterate that um, we're covering um, Exiles and Excalibur, the the old uh, books, and we've just started with Generation X. We'll be doing uh, issue four of Generation X, which is a holiday issue, which was really special to me growing up, uh, issue number four. So uh, I'm really excited. We're going to be... Uh, chatting and recording that tomorrow. So look for uh, an episode out within the next uh, you know, three days or so. Are you in the racetrack? <laughs> I live on a really busy street and <laughs> people love to like zoom right past sometimes. That's funny. I almost asked, I almost wanted to ask if you were okay because the last several Escalvros episodes I feel like the, your com- people are coming to arrest you. <laughs> <laughs> That could be for me, though, because there's loads of police people. But no, no, y'all like have those. Y'all also have the World War II police sirens, right? That's what yeah. TV tells me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad you can't hear what I can hear, because at the moment there's literally uh, some sort of, I feel like it's a battle of the bands going on in the pub next door, and they're not good. If we're talking about things to check out, check out the Susudio video, Phil Collins' Susudio video. Uh, <laughs> if we're talking about pubs and, and hilarious reactions... Because it's, it's Phil Collins in like a big 80s suit playing at this local pub and no one is in there. And as soon as he starts playing, like a couple like punks at the bar like whip their heads around like, hey, what's this cool new music? And the bar gets the bar gets filled up and suddenly he has like five people and like a brass band next to him as well. And it, it just starts like jamming. It's the most hilarious like 80s video you'll ever see. Uh, I would totally recommend checking out the Susudio video. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And I think Georgie drew a pretty hard line in the sand that the Susudio is the peak of 80s music. So, <laughs> Yes. <laughs> now, I'm not it's saying so you're wrong. I, I, I think there's other options, but it's not a bad option. So there's, There was, I want to say, like early 80s, like happy, yeah, like... Yeah, yeah. Saxophony, <laughs> enjoy life sort of music, then that is like the epitome of that. Um, right. <laughs> uh, we will not be talking about Phil Collins on our show, so I had to sneak it in here somehow. I, I think I should try to get him on. I, mean, <laughs> I bet he's a huge Scalibur fan. Yeah, sure. Let's do it, Dan. <laughs> I'm sure he's in an issue of, of the Scalibur's. Uh, Scalibur's, he will be. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I've seen him in the background of an Excalibur issue. We'll have to get him to compose our opening. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm totally on board with that. <laughs> uh, but anyway, 
Jason, this is, as always, so much fun. Uh, thank yeah. you for having me on. Of course. Um, yeah, so uh, as far as as far as the podcast it goes, Snicked, um, please like the Facebook page. Um, Twitter is at SnickCast. Um, retweets and Facebook shares are always welcome. And, um, yeah, go listen to it, Scalabros, because it's awesome. And... We will have Georgie and Dan back again soonish, I'm sure, and keep you talking about. I, I don't know. We may have to make a decision. If Uncanny's really going to end soon, maybe we just. I don't know. Maybe we 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 track it all at once, but probably not. We'll probably probably meet again in a couple of weeks. <laughs> but um, <Okay. laughs> yeah. But um, yeah. So obviously a blast, and I hope you enjoyed the episode. So definitely. Until next time, everybody, hugs and snicks. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. And snacked.